We'll be in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> and this will be uh, a slightly different format of a sermon. It won't really be our typical sermon this morning. I'm going to be very brief. It'll be sort of an extended testimony of the word. I'm going to turn it over to some dads here sitting on the front row. Um, and I promise I'll be brief. And I know you don't believe me. My own wife doesn't believe me. But I will. I will be brief. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm just going to share three different texts that have impacted me on a journey of fatherhood, intentional fatherhood that I've been on since really August of last year. And the first text here is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's a deceptively short verse, and it's easy because of its brevity to just keep reading and just assume, yeah, I can do that, I'll do that, or I'm doing that. Uh, I've heard that verse since I was a kid because my parents were always careful to follow children obey your parents in the Lord with that whole context. And I would hang on to, yeah, but you can't provoke me to anger. <laughs> so I was familiar with this text. And as a dad, I just naturally assumed I'm there. I'm doing these things. I'm taking my kids out into the mountains. I'm showing up at their flag football games. I'm showing up at their school concerts every year. And none of them are musicians. I'm showing up at school plays. We're going out to dinner and lunch, and we're having a good time, and I'm being a good dad. I'm involved in their lives. I'm involved day to day in their lives. And I just checked this verse off, and it was last August that the Spirit of God came to me and said, you're not quite doing it. You're not quite doing it. I realized in August that the culture surrounding my children was doing a better job of discipling them than I was. I was with them for a few hours during the week. I was with them at night. I was with them for some of the time on the weekends. But day in and day out, they're being formed and discipled by a culture. And my game was not up to that level. And the spirit... One of his roles is to convict us of sin. He convicted me lovingly with hope that I could obey, but convicted me that I was not raising my children in the nurture and admonition, as other translations say, of the Lord. I was being a good dad. We were having fun. I was involved in their lives. But the discipleship of my boys and my daughter was being left up to their culture. And this was a jarring revelation for me. And initially it was discouraging because I'm busy. I'm doing a lot of things. I'm involved in a lot of things. I'm working a job. I'm in pastoral ministry. I'm leading a CG. And I'm a parent of five kids. And I'm trying to be a good husband. Those are a lot of areas. And so initially I was like, I can't do more. I can't do more. And I remember responding with just, uh, this was right before the, the CG leader retreat that we had in this room. I remember just responding with God, I, I can take one step at a time. I'll take one step of obedience. I will, I will obey you. I want to obey you. Just show me a step, though. I just need a step. And slowly, step by step, he led me on a path of intentional fatherhood. And it started with, actually, right in this season, unbeknownst to Hunter, Hunter came back from a teaching retreat and handed me this book, The Intentional Father by John Tyson. And it's a book exactly on what I was struggling with. And Hunter said, I, don't, I, just, I thought of you. I thought I'd give you this book. And I got one chapter in, and it broke me. I realized, okay, this is, this is the thing that the Spirit of God is working in me. And I felt, I did not feel overwhelmingly discouraged by it, because I believe, according to Scripture, that when he moves us, when he does work on us in this way, he intends to complete the work. 
It's God in us, Philippians says, that works the desires to obey and the ability and strength to obey him. So I was immediately confident that as long as I was taking steps of obedience, God would work this out in my life. But getting one chapter in launched me into counseling. <laughs> deep, deep counseling, where I was confronted with generational bondage and wounds and things that I was at risk of passing down to my own sons and my daughter and that were getting in the way, actually, of me being an intentional father. And I realized I couldn't read anymore. <laughs> I had work to do. I had work that I needed to do. And for months, I sat with a counselor, two counselors, actually, and just worked through some stuff. And I'm still there. I'll be in counseling on Tuesday. I'm still working through the issues that are getting in the way of me discipling my children. But I took a step, and I took another step. And all along the way, I felt carried by the grace of God, not condemned, carried by the intentional father himself, who just wanted more for me and more for my family. So he didn't use this verse as a club. Rather, he used it as a doorway into what he had in store for me. The next text that came along is in Mark 10. Mark 10. And uh, I remember thinking of this as I was going through that process because I was dealing with my own father wounds. And uh, this verse came up. In that process, Mark 10, verse 20, I'll start at 28. Peter began to say to him, see, we've left everything and followed you. Peter is responding to a rich young ruler who had said, I, I just can't do it. He went away. He, he had the opportunity to follow Jesus. And he said, no, I can't do it. And he went away sad. And Peter said, we're not like him. We've left everything and followed you. And in another, I think it's in Matthew, Jesus actually says, really, have you really left everything? But here in Mark 10, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. I read this text because I'm aware that an immediate question for you might be, what does a sermon on fatherhood have to do with me? Is this relevant to me? I'm not a father. I'm never going to be a father. I don't have a particularly great relationship with my own father. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I'm a mother. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I, I never intend to have children. So is this really relevant to me? And I would say this is absolutely relevant to you. The fathers in this church pursuing obedience to the commands of Jesus has immediate relevance to our church because this is one part. Fathers being fathers to their sons and their daughters is one part of a fulfillment of this promise that Jesus made because this is not meant to be done in isolation. I realized partway through this journey, this was not just a journey for me to become a better dad. This is something that providence needs because I have benefited from this in providence. I have met the father here, my spiritual father, Jerome. Jerome Groskopf has been a father to me for over a decade here in this body. I have seen this promise fulfilled here as fathers and mothers within this congregation press on in their own obedience to Jesus and follow him as disciples and then out of that disciple others. So this has relevance whether you're a father or not or not. I promise you it does. If we as a body of believers would pick this up and say, whether we're fathers or mothers or not, we will be spiritual family to this community. That's what the church is supposed to be. This is what we mean when we say we love our church family together. And this is how this is fulfilled. One step of obedience at a time. And then finally, I took great hope. As I went through that process, I was convicted. My son told me, last fall, I think it was in October, as I was working through this, he said, Dad, I'm the only one in my grade, ninth grade, in my school, whose dad is at home. I'm the only one in my grade whose dad is at home. All my friends' dads are either dead or in prison or they've just disappeared. They've left. And 
God just broke my heart in that moment. And I thought of Mark 10. Mark 10. Because Jesus would say to Braden, yeah, I can, I can replace that loss. I've, I've built my church to replace those gaps in their lives. I can handle this. My gospel can handle this. And I immediately felt called to do more. <laughs> and I said, I can't. I can't, but I can take one step of obedience. I was, I was making wings in my kitchen, smoked wings. They're, they're delicious. <laughs> I was making wings, and I was listening to a podcast, and I heard somebody talk about a breakfast club that he had started for teenagers, and I just felt the Spirit of God say, there's boys who need a dad. And I said, I don't have time. <laughs> uh, but I'll take a step. And so I went to Braden and said, look, man, this is, um, I want you to join me on this process of obedience. Um, I don't know who Polo G is. I don't listen to your music. Uh, I, I, I will not relate to your friends. Most of Braden's friends are actively involved in gangs, actively. And I said, so I don't think they're going to want to connect with your dad. <laughs> I said, but I just feel the spirit of God leading me. Are you in to just take a step in this direction with me and see what the spirit might be doing? He said, yeah, I'll take a step. I, I really don't think it's going to work, but I'll take a step. <laughs> I said, all right, that's, all right, then I'm going to take the next step and I'm going to talk to your mom. And I reached up to Katie that day and called her and she said, yeah, I think, you should, I think you should pursue this and see where it goes. And we just started taking steps, Braden and I, together. We needed a place to do it. And so I said, Braden, we can't do this at our house. His school gets out. His high school gets out every Wednesday at noon. They get out early or 1.30. They get out early on Wednesdays. And so rather than do a breakfast, we, were gonna, we decided to do a lunch. I reached out to Jay because his house is right next to the school. And I said, hey, this sounds crazy. I know how busy you are. I know how busy I am. But this is just what the spirit is leading. And there's a breakfast club in the Minneapolis area that is already happening. And they've got 400 teenagers coming from the local public school twice a month to just get breakfast and hear about Jesus. And so can we use your house? And will you fly with me to Minneapolis and check this out? And he said yes. And I was kind of hoping that he would say no. And then I could say to Braden, we can't. It's not going to work. But he said yes, and so we did. We checked it out, and over the course of just those steps, we brought our boys with us and sat down with the leaders of this breakfast club, and our boys told them what kind of school environment they were in, and our leader, the leaders were like, it's going to be hard, but you got to obey God. And the boys were like, Spurgeon asked Dad, Dad, are you okay with guns in the house? Because that's probably going to happen. Uh, and Jay's like, well, are you okay with it? And Spurgeon said, yeah. So our boys said, we'll do this. So we started a breakfast club for this last semester. And just week after week, it was actually a lunch club. We started with breakfast, but n teenagers in our neighborhood are not getting out of bed at 6 in the morning like they do in Minnesota in the farms. So we moved it to lunch and had a much better turnout. And we just started hanging out with these boys. And they enjoyed it. They kept their distance. One of them actually left his gun outside as a courtesy. But they kept their distance, and slowly over time, we just started earning their trust. And we were fathers to them for a while, for a season of their lives. This is where the Spirit of God is moving. This is how he moves. The work that he's doing in you this morning and in you over these past six months, he fully intends to do through you. I can testify to that. So, last, last text, because if I leave you here, it's just going to sound like a whole lot more to do. And this is the last text that gave me hope. It's in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Oh, the last step of my obedience was, actually, Katie said, Josh, I think you should reach out to some men in Providence and invite some dads to join you so that you're doing this in community and you're not just doing this in isolation. And I thought, that sounds like the Holy Spirit. So... 
I sent invitations to a bunch of people, and um, seven of them are here on the front row. I think six, six are here on the front row, and they're going to come and share in just a moment, kind of just the journey that we've gone on since January. But here's where I took a lot of hope. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, it's a story you all know. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks and everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I'm going to skip down to the end because he says, you as fathers, you're evil. But if your sons were to come to you and want for bread, ask you for bread, you wouldn't give them a snake, a poisonous snake. So then he says this at the end, if you then, fathers who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The verse in Ephesians 6 is in the same letter that Paul wrote, where Paul says, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all above everything that you could ask or even imagine. He can blow your mind when you ask him for things. And here we have Jesus saying, just ask. And so I asked, God, I want to be a good father. I want to be the kind of father that you are. I'm evil. My kids can tell you that. He's perfect. He is perfect. And when you ask him for something like this, when you say, Father, I want to be more like you, you can pray that every day of your life in full confidence that you are praying within the will of God. He wants that for you. That's why he gave his son. That's why he gave up his own son to adopt you into his family so that he could make you more like himself. So you're asking according to his will. He will answer that prayer every time. It just won't always feel like it. <laughs> he will answer this prayer of faith. So if you're sitting here thinking, I've got enough to do, I was there. If you're sitting here thinking, I can't add more to my plate, I was there. Just ask him. Just ask him and take a step of obedience. And that's what my brothers here did over these past six months. Uh, and I'm going to invite them up. We culminated our study. We went through this book together over the course of 12 weeks. And we would all highly commend it to you, whether you're a father or a mother or neither, we would commend this book to you because we have a responsibility as a church to be a family to this community. And one of these guys does not have children, but he was with us on the intentional fatherhood journey intentionally. So we would commend this to you. And then at the end of our study together, we flew out to New York and actually hung out with the author, John Tyson, for a few hours and just got to ask him all of our questions and hear from him. We are going to try to do this study every year here at Providence and just invite more and more people into it. Uh, so if you didn't do it this round, it will be available again. And um, that's it. That's the end. I'm going to pray, and then I'll invite these guys up. We didn't discuss order, but I think Josh is going last, and we all agreed that Joel should go first, as far as I know. So beyond that, that's it. So I'll pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you are our Father in heaven who is perfect. Thank you that you designed a church to fill up all of our needs for family. God, thank you that you loved us so much that you gave up your only son. I can't imagine the pain of losing a son. Thank you. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Father, I pray that you would help us as we seek to obey you. Give us the grace and the strength to do it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, morning church. My name's Joel. Um, and I figured if I went first, um, everybody else will be copying me if they say anything similar. So um, I'll try my best to not be uh, too cute while I'm up here. Um, I was uh, dared to say that, so. All right, so. Um, and, and real quickly, since, uh, since I'm talking about being a father, I, have, I wore shorts this morning. And this is in direct rebellion to my own father. So, Dad, if you're on Zoom, I'm sorry. Um, so, to, to start things off, it, it really blows me away that, uh, you know, to do things like drive a car, you have to have a driver's license. 
to have a kid, you can just do that. Uh, I can I can attest that having a kid is is way harder. Um, I got no uh, no manual, and outside of living life, uh, parenting advice is a little hard to come by. Um, I'm thankful I, I grew up in a home where I think my parents got quite a bit right, and I got a got a pretty good example and got to learn from them. Um, but I think. There's a lot of commonality. I actually sat in this building yesterday with a bunch of leaders from Cross Purpose, and being a good parent is something that crosses race lines, in, you know, different uh, socioeconomic. Everyone wants, to, desires to be a good parent, and uh, I feel the same. You know, it's something I, I don't want to reflect back on and think like, wow, I wish I would have like leaned into that a bit more. Um, so when I heard about this opportunity uh, to, to do this, um, I really wanted to, to jump into it. And uh, thanks, to, thanks to Josh, it was uh, every Tuesday evening before bedtime. So my wife had to do bedtime for like six months. So, you know, some good intentional fathering there. Um, so I want to talk for, for one second about uh, something that, that really impacted me in the book, and that was a, an exercise of, of taking a moment to write down what your own father got right and what he got wrong. Um, I remember when we were about to have our first kids, um, writing down all the things that uh, I didn't want to, uh, to do wrong, um, that, that I thought my own dad had gotten wrong. Anybody else do that activity? Um, but it was, it was a, a really special moment to, to write down what my dad got right, um, what he got wrong, and, and the encouragement was to write him, a, write him a letter and tell him what he did well. And uh, through that, it was just a really, uh, really special time for me to realize things about my own father that um, were really special. I had never seen him as a brave or strong man before, and that was a, a huge gift for me. So I would, I, I would encourage, it's actually a fairly, depending on your relationship with your father, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough but really worthwhile exercise to, to do that. R write down a list of what he, what he got right um, and what he got wrong and, and tell him about it. Um, Something that, uh, something from the book that I really want to implement through, uh, you know, throughout this next year and as my kids grow is, um, you know, when I was a kid, no one ever sat me down and talked to me about the transition from being a boy into manhood. That's just not a conversation that, that I ever had with my dad. Um, and Tyson gets into that a lot in the book, and, it, and it's really helpful. So he, uh, in the book, he, he talks about these five essential truths for living that actually come from Richard Rohr. And uh, maybe you've heard these or seen these before. But it's life is hard. You're not important. Your life is not about you. You're not in control. You're going to die. Um, those are actually like really intense. Tyson rewrote those to be maybe a little bit, uh, a little softer. And so instead of life is hard, um, and again, this is going from boy to manhood just to, for that context. Life is hard. So instead of that, it's a shift from ease to difficulty, right? I think, I think we're all there in terms of like, you have to be an adult. Um, you're not important. So instead of that, boys care about themselves, but men care about others. Your life is not about you. So instead of that, you're part of the story, but you're not the whole story. You're not in control. So instead of that, it's a shift from control to surrender. Instead of you're going to die, it's a shift from the temporary to the eternal. 
Um, so to close, I want to be sensitive to anyone in the room, of course, that had a challenging relationship with their father um, or has a f made mistakes as being a father. Um, there's a 50% chance that I'll yell at one of my three boys before lunch today. Um, but, you know, I'm thankful for the forgiveness on this journey. Um, I'm also thankful that I serve a perfect heavenly father, and uh, I'm excited to, uh, to lean into this and, and keep learning from uh, this experience. So thank you. Good morning. Uh, Josh, uh, earlier he mentioned that one of us uh, does not have children, and I think my wife would appreciate that I confirmed that it is me. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not expecting. This is an announcement. So although it would be a pretty cool way to make an announcement, I feel like. But, uh, but yeah, so why, why am I up here? Um, it's a great question. Uh, I've had the privilege of <clears throat> having one of our youth um, his name's Isaiah, and the Lord just brought he and I together uh, in, a, in a really special way, and um, yeah, I've, I've been wanting to be more intentional with him, I just like didn't really know, know how, outside of the like, let's go to the arcade, whatever, right, um, and I got the invite, and I was just like, yes, I, like, I have to do this, not only for our future kids, but I've got to do this for Isaiah, who, who needs a father figure in his life. Um, yeah, and the, some of the, the big things that really touched me in this, I mean, we're, we all might say the same thing up here, but um, doing the the activity that Joel was mentioning about going through, seeing like what our fathers got right, what they got wrong, just really understanding like how intentional my father was with me. It, it just really allowed me to see my father in a different light, but also it allowed me to see the gaps um, that were there and specifically the gaps in, in, on the spiritual side of things. And um, it just gave me all the fire to, like, join this group, glean from current fathers so that I can, I can speak into Isaiah's life as well as our future kids' life or any other youth student that the Lord's going to bring my way. Um, yeah, and... Uh, Tyson, one, one thing that he mentioned in the book was just like taking, instead of binge watching the first three seasons of Stranger Things to get ready for season four, instead of doing that, use that time to plan out what you want to do with your son or with your, you know, the, the child that you're mentoring. Use that time to, to go through what are you going to do when he shaves for the first time, gets his first girlfriend like special times like that, instead of just, oh, cool, you have a girlfriend. Cool, awesome. Like actively press into that and like, yeah, like think through how you want to engage in those opportunities. Um, that was a huge takeaway for me. Um, another, another takeaway was uh, Tyson did a really good job of explaining like how to be in different places um might not do a very good job of articulating it but go go play around to golf right like how like how to be in that place how to not only dress appropriately but how to like play the game with the correct ethics right and just all kinds of different different things like that how to come up on stage and speak in front of a crowd right like um actively engage with with your child, with your student on, on how to do that. Um, I think he really helped me have a mind, a mind shift in, in, in those things. Um, and then lastly, which we're going to actually start doing this tomorrow, is 
um, being intentional with your time. And starting tomorrow, we're going to, me and Isaiah are meeting on, on Mondays. Uh, we're going to get dinner together, and uh, we're going to start going through these different things that he, not only he wants to learn, uh, but the things that the Lord are speaking into his life. I want to un- unbox that with him. Um, so uh, something to encourage you with, um, this, this can be done whether you have a child or not. Um, proof of that up here. Um, niece, nephew, child that you're mentoring. Um, but also for the future fathers out there like myself, um, it's not too early. You can go ahead and start planning this stuff now. Start thinking through how you want the trajectory of your time with your child to be. Um, not that we have everything under control, but you can at least have something to go off of for the future. So, thank you. Oh, man. The first question I asked uh, Tyson when we met, um, I said, how do I um, continue fathering a lost daughter? We had gone through a couple of months, I think, or more, when uh, my daughter passed away. And um, this group of crazy white boys um, (laughs) really loved me and really uh, cared for me and prayed for me and prayed with me um, just to uh, feel the love from God. And um, there, there's so much that I could say, uh, but I'm going to limit myself to uh, five minutes because, I mean, although Joel didn't do it, <laughs> we didn't do it. <laughs> and, uh, but anyhow, so why I joined? Um, I, I received a, this, uh, well, first I received a text for my address. And then I receive a, a package on my doorstep. And uh, I had never received anything from somebody in a church intentionally. So when I, when I got the book and I read the card and, and I pray about it, I was like, these crazy people of Providence really love on people. And uh, what a best thing to do as a father, join other fathers to learn and grow with each other how to be a better father. My own father has never hugged me. Um, We as as kids went through a 12-year war. I never felt the comfort of my father protecting me and saying everything's going to be okay after this shooting. So for the first time in my life uh, and in the story of our family, uh, my father came to Colorado to the mountains and spent a week with me and my brother. And it was awesome. When I gave him that, that letter that we had, uh, we had to do... Um, that the book recommended, um, it was so awesome. I'd never seen my father drop tears. Never, never, ever. Um, and he, he wet his eyes. Oh, man. Anyway, I'm going to forget about the point. <laughs> so this experience has taught me that um, even across culture, um, we can learn from each other. Um, and men, I'm so proud of you guys. I love you guys more than what I love you before we started the, the book club. When I, when I heard the word book club, I'm like, isn't that for ladies? <laughs> right? Like, I heard, you know, ladies doing book club, you know. But then when, when Josh, you know, uh, invited me and, and I'm like, am I really going? You know, and, and, I, and I made it there. Uh, but it, it was so awesome. Uh, something that they might not know 
um, on that picture. I went to uh, I went to that trip, and I confess, and I already asked God for forgiveness. So please bear with me. And I don't want no disciplinary actions, Jason. <laughs> I went to this trip, and I was sick when I went and through the trip. Um, I had a hundred and two, I think, of fever, and I wet a white towel when uh, when Henry picked me up. I was almost shaking, so I had a wet towel under my jacket, right here, my neck, so my body temperature can drop if I got tested at the airport. Okay, listen to how crazy this is, but I wanted so bad to go, and I wanted to uh, learn and ask questions to Tyson and 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 learn from these guys. That I did it. I confess. So please, God, forgive me. I want to go to heaven, but. The, the maturity that I have learned, so worth it. Yes, Kyle, so worth it. The maturity that I have learned through this process um, is that I am more close to my, to my children than I have ever been. You guys have never seen, like, all my kids, but I have five kids and another stepson, so, so six altogether. That, that little guy has six kids. And uh, so I, I, I felt like, you know, a Latino with a bunch of white boys, like in New York City, uh, I couldn't keep up the walking. <laughs> I had to get one of those uh, taxi uh, bikes on and catch up to them on one of the nights. But, uh, but what I have taken away from, from this is that uh, there's always a room I, um, Josh mentioned something really crucial, crucial in our, our lives, time. Um, there's always time to be intentional fathers, intentional mothers, intentional, uh, uh, you know, guardian, intentional anything. Uh, when, when, I, uh, when I think about ministry and doing the stuff that, that we're doing with the churches in Central America, uh, how intentional I am, am I being, or am I doing this just for the credit, or am I doing this because it's intentional from the heart and because the Holy Spirit is inspiring me to do this. So uh, I have learned that I could have read the book, and I could have learned a lot from it, but being in community, being with these people, I learned a lot more. So I thank you guys. I love you guys. I love you, family. And uh, you ought to do that. You ought to read that book with community. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, just a little bit about my context coming into this group. Um, in uh, in December, I, I quit caffeine. I, I had to. Um, I started getting migraines, and um, I'm I'm somebody who kind of dwells in the depths. Um, that can be for better for worse. Uh, in in a good healthy season, you know, I thrive in deep waters, as as you pointed out, um, of you know grace and truth. And then in an unhealthy season, I I slip into depression and feel sort of stuck in a pit. And that's just a tendency for me as part of my wiring. Um, so the onset of this, uh, with that invitation from Josh, um, I was kind of in the pit scanning for help, you know? And um, uh, obviously wanting to up my game on as, as a dad. Um, uh, we live out uh, close to really like four doors from Colfax. And um, this group, really caused me to sit and think about my boys. Uh, they are so sweet and so worthy of all my, everything I can give. And, uh, you know, I, I was having a hard time actually in, this, um, in November just keeping up with them running to our school a block from our place. Um, I remember one specific morning with like low back pain, both knees, both elbows, um, I, I used to be really athletic, and then I 
that got me into jobs where it was very physical and a lot of repetitive motion, and now I have some joint issues. And um, so in December, that's kind of my t context for starting this. And um, uh, this group of men have just given me such, I think the word is the fire. Um, they've just given me fire, you know, consistently, intentionally meeting every Wednesday to just geek out on, on what is it to be a dad and what is it to be a man um, at a time when man is often such a, a negative thing um, or can be. Um, we bumped into a, uh, that reminds me, we bumped into a, a young man in the subway in New York and uh, literally bumped into him. And um, he said uh, something to the effect of, you know, toxic max out of, out of nowhere, toxic masculinity implies that uh, there's wholesome masculinity. And I don't even know this guy. It just was all over me. Um, and th so that's been a, the influence of this group on me um, this last six months. Um, so meeting every Wednesday uh, helped me to kind of be out of the depths. I got into a great uh, program for uh, lifting weights again and doing tons of rehab. And I'm, I'm now, uh, my kids are having a hard time keeping up with me. Um, <laughs> I, I did 61 days of rehab without, without missing a single day. And um, things are looking up. I feel like I can keep up with them. Um, a few highlights. Um, uh, uh, Kyle tells a great story about his dad. Uh, uh, you know, He's a young man. You, you can tell this. And elaborate when you get up if you want. But it, he's a young man. gets gets sort of this wild hair to to start fishing and wanting his dad to go do these wild things with him at five in the morning on a on a you know his only day off. And um, the thing that really hit Kyle was that his dad was in the boat. His dad had no. He didn't want to. That wasn't his thing. But his dad showed up for him. Uh, that that's that's something that. We we kind of throw around on our text thread um, is you know show up, be in the boat for your sons. Um, uh, I've seen Josh just do awesome work. He shows up in the boat. Um, um, another highlight it was learning this truth that there's something so unreasonable about love. Um, in the book, Tyson tells the story of. Um, him and his son wanting to um, go get uh, Philly cheesesteaks. And at that point, his dad, you know, Tyson makes a decision. You know what? Why can't we drive to Philadelphia? And at that moment, you know, they cleared the schedule and drove up to Philadelphia and um, got the real deal. And it became this super intentional, memorable thing for his son I think often I play the role of, tr you know, in an unreasonable world, being as reasonable as I can. And I just felt set free in this, in this group. I mean, going to New York, when, when we got bad news that John Tyson wasn't going to come out and join our group, Josh made this decision of, like, why can't we just come to him? And that has made all the difference for me. Um, so I want to thank you, Josh, too. Um, it just gives me courage to be unreasonable at the right times. So... Um, and then this vision that I've been left with uh, through the whole process is kind of this vision in the back of my head that pops up at different times. But, um, you know, if fatherhood for me is if, you know, over thousands of years, men have gathered around a fire um, to have, you know, to be locked in arms and to be, to share and to speak to each other and to enjoy strong community around this, this fire, this thing that provi provides light and heat in a, in a cold and dark world. And that is the reason, I think, one of the primary reasons why I continue to stay at Providence is there's such potential here. Uh, my fatherhood is, is largely dependent on those men in the circle around me. And, you know, uh, Jay and Josh both, I've been a part of your son's, uh, you know, kind of manhood a rite of passage ceremony that's been really powerful for me. It was, it was actually something bef before you guys were doing it. It 
it was an idea in my head. And when you guys were doing it, it's like, yep, this, I'm learning this so I can do this for my boys. And um, so coming out of this, you know, I had to get healthy, get out of the pit um, to be a better, uh, to be present to my little ones. Um, you know, close to Colfax, we were watching them like a hawk. There's, you know, just lots going on with those motels there. And, um, and I, I noticed they just need me to give it, to fill those gaps of what they're not getting in that place. And um, you guys have really, really helped me. And I'm going to be implementing into the future, just getting men together to sit around that, that fire and to, to have that strong strength of community so that we can, you know, be what our kids deserve. So, yeah. Hey, Prav. Uh, my name's Kyle, and I get to be a dad to Charlie, who's 13. Maeve, who's 11, and Amos, who's 8. And Charlie just turned 13, like, last two Sundays ago? Two Sundays ago? Oh, my gosh. When I was to Texas Roadhouse, it's, like, 52 degrees. She just got, like, this, like, crop top and, like, these short shorts. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my gosh, teenagehood. I am just not ready for it. <laughs> but, hey, providentially, I'm your papa. Uh and so it initially in getting this book, and it talks about in that book the power of moments. And I would say, Josh, and let's be most honest, Katie, maybe you two had a hand in this too. The box that the book was shipped in was super nice. It had nice confetti. It almost looked like the papyrus from like the cedars of Lebanon <laughs> on there. And it was like, how could you not say yes to like being a part of this? So I felt a privilege and an honor just to, to be a part of that. Um, and honestly, I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, this fatherhood thing is a pretty big deal to me. I had an okay game coming into this book, okay? If not trending towards good, I was trying to implement some different things. So I want to talk about some things that I was trying to do um, that I'll hopefully just kind of augment and get better at. And then also some things to try to implement going forward. And then just an encouragement to, to some of you in here. So things I was doing already, I was trying to be more intentional about having some Saturday breakfast at just like a dive diner. Butcher Block Cafe is amazing for that. Okay, we live next to Colfax. There's so many. The well is deep there. But just having some intentional time, just like, all right, dad, diner time. We're going to go. Maybe we're going to talk about, I'm a financial advisor, so we talked about their give, save, and spend jars and whether that was really working or not. Um, other times it was just like, I'm taking you out, out to breakfast. Like, sometimes I actually err on the side of, like, too much intentionality that I should probably just spend time just enjoying my kids rather than having an agenda, which is, like, one thing I'm trying to implement. Another thing that uh, started last year with Charlie is in between sixth and seventh grade year just to do a daddy-daughter trip. And so we took a two-person two raft out to good old Saratoga, Wyoming, um, and we floated down the North Platte, and she wanted to catch a fish. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're speaking my love language. Fantastic. Like, let's do this. Here we go. Uh, Maeve, you're up. I know you're excited. <laughs> uh, and we're going to have that. We're going to bend that trip a little bit. Um, another thing is that each of the kids, have kind of, I've kind of uh, encouraged them to choose a spirit animal. And... So, like, Charlie's is a hummingbird. I just saw this hummingbird when I was in Boston one time. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's my daughter right there in a love pop card. And I wrote this card to her, and I thought it was sweet. And so, like, our connection was, was hummingbirds. So I found a puzzle of a hummingbird. And then one thing that was uh, another thing in the book was to encourage conversations with other people to grow into what does manhood and womanhood is that staring at me in the face right now with a 13 and 11-year-old? What does that look like? How do we foster conversations between other men and women in their lives in doing that? So in, in uh, going back to the hummingbird idea, i got to put together the puzzle. And I asked probably 8 to 12 other people, give me five words that would describe Charlie. And it was beautiful. And beautiful was the biggest word. 
And as our kids, as, uh, as Baldo said, going into middle school and having culture shape them, I was like, I want my kids staring at a puzzle that they know the positive words in their lives. And then, uh, so I asked Maeve, I was like, Maeve, what's your spirit animal? She's like, white tiger, dad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm supposed to find a puzzle <laughs> of a white tiger? But you never know, maybe we might be able to find that. Uh, so sometimes these things are hard to implement, but always the idea. Um, and then another thing that I had actually been working on before the book was actually writing a letter to my dad because he is a very quiet, soft-spoken man. And really for, uh, I guess, kind of your going-to-die principles, like, Dad, I don't want you to pass. I don't know who you are. And I want to draw that out. So started writing letters, and I have dawdled. I'm telling you this, I don't even think it came up. I have dawdled on just writing the letter of all the positive things that my dad has done because he has gotten the boat. And that's still something I... Right before you guys can ask me, give me the month of June. I'm going to see him end of June. I actually want to do that face to face. Um, so that's been really good. Um, weaknesses, because I don't want to show that I'm like, okay, hitting this out of the park. Um, one of those is I am bad at bedtime. Faith is really good at bedtime. I think opposites attract, marriages kind of offset each other. So Thursday night is normally my bedtime time. I'm, I'm okay at it. I'm, I could work on that. But that seems to be such a sweet time where kids can calm down, they can process um, to try to reach them, and it's still something like I want to grow in. Um, and then the last thing was loving my kids for who they are versus who I want them to be. Even Amos yesterday, he's been like loving his little bike. And he's coming, and he's like, Dad, like, what size, what size tire should I look at for, like, a BMX bike? And, and Brett's like, well, you know, we're both, like, mountain bikers. He's like, well, I, I mean, for a mountain bike, you should, you might be 24 to 26 inches at this point. And, like, I didn't want to answer his question, like, Amos, I want you to be a mountain biker. Like, being a BMX biker was not good enough for me. I'm like, holy cow, holy cow, Kyle, like, check that at the door. The kid's loving biking. Like, be a wind at his back. To help him love biking. Kyle, start researching BMX bikes just because you don't have a clue about anything about it. Okay? He's loving to bike. So that's a, that was a big one just yesterday. The Lord impressed upon me. And then the things that I want to implement is actually as I get together with family, because we moved out here from the Midwest, we don't see family that much, but I want our kids to be connected to family, is to actually set up conversations with the kids with different people in their lives uh, family specifically, just so they kind of know, and Tyson talks about this, like, what are your roots? What stock do you come from? Who are you? What is your family about? And trying to connect and foster those conversations, especially because if I'm asking people to come over at a, at a rite of passage, say at Amos, who's eight, and I want to have people around him at the age of 13, how have I cultivated that? So he's not just seeing my shadows and my brokenness that I'm the only one speaking into his life. Who are other people? And how has God shaped them? Um, and then also, I'm going to try to come up with a dad's school curriculum. Girls, we need to talk about this. Um, just to set aside intentional time, which is hugely important. It's usually going to happen in the mornings. It's going to have to be a sacrifice. And girls, you choose whether you want to do that with dad or not. You don't have to. One thing I was reassured one from talking to Tyson, he has two kids. He knocked it out of the park with his, his son, Nate. His daughter really didn't open the door to her heart until the age of, I think, se senior year. And then he completely walked through it. Like, she was into photography, and all of a sudden, once that door cracked open, Tyson was all about photography. Like, sweet, I love photography now, too. Like, let's go and do this. We're going to research this. But that was really reassuring that this guy who we're all trying to, like, kind of read the tutelage of, it's really the kids who open the access to us to be able to love them and trusting in the Spirit's timing and power uh, of when that is, but just being ready to, like Cam's talking about, that he's ready when these moments come, that I'm ready when these moments come, to capitalize on that was huge. And then lastly... I think I've said that three times. 
Uh, do, do is give yourself grace, and I'm speaking to myself. I think this book is best read in community because otherwise, uh, for me, like guilt or shame or condemnation would come down because I feel like I need to do more. And I'm already a doer as it is, but I think that built-in community of really just carrying each other's burdens so that we can help just be better men to live this out to both, not just sons, but also daughters. That was huge. So that's great that the church is doing this on a, a weekly basis. Um, and then, uh, even with Osvaldo sharing what he did, one thing I wrote down just from the book, and it said, Tyson says, what's killing young men today? And he said, self-initiation. Because men or boys who aren't um, initiated and brought into the next stages of life, adulthood, carry that adolescence with them. And that's not just dads who like have an eight-year-old. That's also like, I'm always looking at other men who's like one stage up, next stage, and just like, okay, what's that modeling look like? What's that vernacular look like? Um, and so I think from a church body, just knowing that there is that generational wisdom that is both modeled, but also spoken into just as like what his model said. I thought that tied in really wonderfully uh, with this morning. So thanks for your time. Morning, church. Isn't it great to see a bunch of guys cry on stage? <laughs> it's so good. Um, and speaking of that, anyone who knows me knows any chance to sit down and just talk and be vulnerable about how hard life is, is like, forget sports. Like, that's exactly what I want to be doing. Um, so for me, the opportunity to really get to know, get to see, model people who have kids grown and out of the house, um, people who have younger kids than me, people who don't even have kids, and seeing perspectives on the same things from how your dad interacted with you or your mom or how you interact with your kids in different moments and seeing like, okay, we'll have kid lied. How did you handle that? How did you feel like you got that right, got that wrong? That was the core of this. And so, like Hal just said, like knowing where you're at, but also seeing where you can go and be able to encourage somebody else in that same reciprocity, um, which is such a gift from the Lord. And I highly recommend that for all of us. I think it's what we do in CG, but my encouragement is just to lean a little bit more into that, um, being vulnerable, because we don't have to be perfect. Like, Jesus has been perfect for us. I already brought my tissues up here. I knew this was going to happen. Also, anyone who knows me knows how much therapy I've been in. Um, and this was so therapeutic for me. After a really good session, uh, my lovely wife, Chandler, categorized me as a cactus. Like, I am tough on the outside. You don't want to give me a hug. Um, in so many ways throughout our almost 10 years of marriage. Um, but really soft and squishy on the inside. Um, I knew this was going to happen. Um, for so many of us, that's the only way we can survive in the homes we grew up in. And I know there are people like that that we do ministry with that are in this church. And how we can love them is to hug them anyway, to, to show them that it's safe to come into this church. Like, you're loved. You've done so much. And for me to have a group see that, walk through me with that, and come close has just been a true gift from God. I think that in order for you to invest in whoever is yours to influence, to grow, to mentor, you have to first look at yourself. You have to own your struggle. And for most of us, that starts with our parents. And it's looking at what can I take that was good? What can I leave that would be harmful? 
And to me, that is what this book did in very small, bite-sized ways each week of you evaluating yourself. Because you cannot care for others if you don't know how to care for yourself. And that's definitely my biggest takeaway. So thank you. I have to stay up here. Let's thank all the men uh, for that. Um, I think what you just saw was discipleship model. Like, um, I'm sharing with the priest service group, a message prepared in the minds reaches minds. And you did not hear a expositional mind sermon this morning. A message prepared in hearts reaches hearts, but a message prepared in the life reaches lives. And so I hope you heard the seven messages this morning, plus Osvaldo. I mean, you had eight sermons this morning. And the Spirit of God can work through that, right? Like you see Scripture lived out and enfleshed. So I just want to let you know that that is 100% a providence sermon that you heard this morning. Um, and it was the word fleshed out. So men, thanks for that. Uh, boy, if our community had men like this, right? Um, and if every kid had a dad like this. Those boys rolled into our house. Um, there's a gap in their life. There should not be a man in this room that is wondering what God has called them to do if they're part of this church in this neighborhood, right? There, there are plenty of gaps that can be filled. So I also think there might be some people that said, man, I sure wish I would have got a cool little box on my front door from a church leader. I just want to speak not to you. I actually want to speak to the people. There are a lot of mature believers in this room. Josh was not holding himself as a perfect father and saying, come learn from me. He was saying, I'm on a journey. Do you want to walk with me in relationship? I would just want to say maybe the greatest thing that could happen is five to ten of you send out some boxes in the next month and say, I'm going on a journey. Come into relationship with me, and let's, let's find Jesus together on this path. That would be a thriving church. So I just hope that discipleship catches fire as you see it modeled here.